0: Hello everybody, thanks for checking into I Want to Be A on LJN Radio. Now this podcast brings you a different professional for each episode, giving you some inside knowledge on a variety of jobs and industries looking to help lead you into a successful career. I'm your host, Tim Muma, and today I want to be a civil engineer. Now these men and women are responsible often for the design and supervision of major construction projects, such as building roads, bridges, and airports, and even creating systems for water supply and sewage treatment. Joining us from Vermont to talk about this profession is Brad Aldrich. Brad is an experienced civil engineer, a past president of the National Society of Professional Engineers, and the president of his own firm, Aldrich & Elliott, over there in Vermont. Thanks for coming on today, Brad.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Before we jump into uh, the topic at hand and this profession of civil engineering, tell the listeners a little bit about your professional career and and sort of how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, it's probably, it's an interesting path, I think, and I think that most civil engineers probably have a somewhat similar story. First, I graduated with a degree in civil engineering from the University of Vermont. Um, then went looking for jobs. I had a number of different and varied job opportunities. One was with a, a local general contractor who was also a national contracting firm. Um, one was electric boat company down in um, Groton, Connecticut to build submarines. And a third one with, uh, was with an engineering firm out in New York City working on the Tappan Zee Bridge. Looked at all those different varied opportunities. Decided to stay with a general contractor. Because I really wanted to get some more construction background, so I thought it would help me in my engineering, and we sure. can talk about that a little bit more later. But I stayed in construction for about ten years, went into a more what I would consider a more traditional design engineering role after that, and eventually created my own firm have been at my firm for 17 years.
0: Oh, wow. Great. And you know, it's funny that some of the stuff you brought up already, we've had a couple of different types of engineering disciplines on. And it seems like there's a lot of diversity, a lot of different opportunities out there. And uh, in terms of finding jobs and, and different industries you can work in, is that the experience you've had and, and people you've talked with in terms of civil engineering as well?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think as you say, there's a number of different engineering disciplines and not all civil. And even in civil engineering there are a number of different subsets of engineering within that. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But yeah, there's there's a myriad of job opportunities out there.
0: What was it then off the bat, I mean, that drew you into the engineering side of things? Was there somebody you looked up to? Was it something that, that jumped out at you? I mean, did you always know you wanted to get into this field? What was sort of that uh, opening or eye-opening experience or anything like that you've had?
1: Well, for me, I knew at a very early age that I wanted to be an engineer. My father was a civil engineer, so I um, respected him and Really appreciated the work that he did. He was involved in building the interstate system in Vermont. Okay. So I, I always knew I wanted to be an engineer. I enjoyed building things. I really enjoy problem solving. Have an aptitude for math and science. So that kind of drew me there. I will tell you that I looked at different engineering disciplines, and in fact, when I first went to school. I was enrolled in chemical engineering. Um, I loved chemistry in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, One semester of college chemistry cured me of that idea, and I quickly (laughs) moved to civil engineering.
0: And you bring that up. Obviously, we mentioned there are different disciplines of engineering, and uh, maybe the chemical side wasn't for you. But how would you define civil engineering, and and maybe give the listeners a a better idea of, of how you would sort of categorize it? Because I know it is a little difficult at times to pinpoint what it is. Really, anybody does in a certain profession.
1: Sure, civil engineering really. I think, for the most part, applies to, I would say, that what I would consider the built environment. Mm. Um, you've got land development people that will design a subdivision or grading plans. You've got transportation for roadways. Structural engineering, and some structural enge- engineers would argue it's a completely separate discipline, but a lot of times, structural engineers fall into the civil engineering discipline in designing bridges, buildings, those sorts of things. And then there's what I do, which is water resource engineering. I design... Sure. Um, water and wastewater systems for municipalities. Those are the broad areas.
0: Right, right. And, yeah. And obviously, it's it's impossible to touch on all the specific details. But even in some of the areas you mentioned, there, definitely an important part of society and what we're looking to, uh, you know, accomplish, I guess, as everybody tries to work together. Do you see that as being just a part of your purpose is maybe that greater impact on society? Or was that something you thought about even before you got into, you know, engineering professionally?
1: Oh, I've absolutely thought about it. I think that's one of the things that makes our jobs so fun. I mean, I think about whether it's the bridge you drive over or the water you drink that's safe and clean or whatever it is that engineers do. I think that we probably have had as great an impact on society as any any profession.
0: What's interesting to me is we've done a number of these shows, and it seems like there's a lot of growth in terms of this profession, uh, not just civil engineering, but as a whole. Yet we hear struggles of finding the right people, finding the right skill set. Are you coming across that? Do you, do you think that's changing? I guess what's sort of your overall outlook uh, in terms of civil engineering and, and where maybe listeners can, again, look to find a, a really great career?
1: Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm overall positive. Okay. Mean, our firm is relatively small. We have um, 25 people. So I, I've been able to find people to um, bring in that could fit our skill sets. And I think that most engineering firms are finding basically the same things. I think there's a focus and a passion among the people that are taking engineering degrees that they they know what they want and they can find jobs and it's really not that hard. Hmm. So, what are what
0: would be the skills that uh, you would focus on and that maybe people you know that are successful in the industry? Maybe it's a personality type trait that uh, mm-hmm. really is successful. What would you point to for those that are
1: listening? Well, I think there's I think there's a couple of traits. I think one is just a, a general. Um, aptitude towards problem solving because that's really what we do Mm -hmm. we're taking a situation we're trying to figure out how to solve a problem whether it's designing a bridge over a river or um sizing a culvert or whatever we're doing and and one thing i find that i really enjoy about the engineering is that every single problem is different um i could be designing culverts for two different communities with the situation the variables are all different so every every day is different Mm -hmm. you have to have an aptitude i think an aptitude to math and science you don't need to be a genius in math and science. You just need to have an aptitude. Um, you need to have a curiosity and creativity gene in you. You've really got to enjoy the process of engineering because it's, it's an awful lot of fun. You need to be a self-starter. You need to be able to juggle, juggle multiple tasks. With that comes good time management skills. Sure. I would say you have to have a positive attitude, good communication skills, especially in my business where I'm dealing primarily with municipalities. Uh, we attend a lot of public meetings. We're explaining to the general public what we're doing. Uh, So communication is key, both speaking and written.
0: It's interesting you brought up the idea of uh, the science and math portion, because I do think that does tend to, for whatever reason, scare off a number of people thinking, as you said, you have to be a genius. When you sort of talk about that side of things, and maybe as we take it back to the educational piece, you know, again, people may think, oh, I have to get, uh, you know, I have to have all these higher level math, sciences, that sort of uh, area. What would you point to as far as what? they would be looking at education wise? I mean, are there schools that are, that would you appoint to? Are there, are there different, uh, you know, maybe different majors that you could weave your way into the civil engineering world? I guess, how would you sort of direct people if they're looking into civil engineering?
1: I would say if you're looking into civil engineering or really any of the engineering disciplines, you really, need, you really need to be thinking about t- getting an engineering degree as mm-hmm. in, in your bachelor's program. And, it, you know, there's a, there's a number of schools out there. Most, most every, um, State University offers at least, well, at least one of those schools will offer engineering. Okay. So when you're looking at schools, I mean, I think you need to, you need to decide what's the best fit for you. Um, is it a large school? Is it a small school? Is it a school that only offers engineering? Is it a school that offers a wide variety of things? In my own personal experience, I decided to go to the University of Vermont, which had a very good engineering program, but also had a, had a rather, rather large um, liberal arts program. hmm I decided that I really didn't want to eat, sleep, and drink with engineers <laughs> all four years of school. I wanted a little more variety, um, where there were some other great schools that I got accepted to, and that, that was just my personal decision. Sure, Others thrive in smaller schools or schools that are really technically focused.
0: I mean, so you are saying that, I mean, in general, it's pretty open as far as where you can go, as long as it's a, basically the right fit for you.
1: Absolutely. You should look at the right fit for you. One of th- things I would look at in schools are, Who's teaching the courses? Are they being taught by professors or are they being taught taught by aides? Do you see courses in their curriculum that that excite you? Um, Certainly look at the facilities they have, the lab facilities and the like. But it's all about a personal fit. Um, There's no no one right answer. So you don't get too hung up over your decision. Just pick what fits and uh, you'll thrive.
0: How about any extracurricular activities or maybe field work, internships? What sort of areas would you point to that can help out uh, somebody who's looking to get into the field, whether it, some may be required or others just you know a way to sort of help learn the processes, learn the field a little bit? What would you uh, sort of direct people toward?
1: Certainly internships are becoming more the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it in our firm. We have, an, we have an intern this year from the University of Vermont, and we typically do to give them some exposure to what we do uh, to kind of see if they like it. So summer job opportunities are out there if you look for them and I think that's one thing you definitely should look for. If um, you know, if you even even before college, I mean there's some great programs out there. There's math counts, which is a competition program for mathematics in okay. middle school, can give you a sense of, hey, do you have fun with math? Do you enjoy this sort of thing? Um, there's first robotics, there's jets, there's a number of um, programs in middle school and high school that can kind of give you some exposure to engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, they just try different things and and obviously shadow people. We well, see a lot of high school kids that would want to that come in and want to say, can I spend a day in your engineering firm? Just get a sense of what the day is like. What do you do? Look for any opportunities like that to give you exposure and to give you a sense of, is this for me or not?
0: And we love hearing about that side of things. And you said even before you get to, you know, even high school, college, uh, just to define your niche, find what you enjoy. We love hearing about those, those different examples that uh, people can really enjoy. Take us a little bit into the process of actually applying for jobs Then, say you, you know, got your degree, you're ready to get out into the real world, so to speak. What types of things would you want to fill job seekers in on as far as what they may need to present, what they might have to be doing in an interview? Uh, Maybe just some Mm -hmm. of the key points you could, you could give people as, as they're listening.
1: Well, I think the first thing is, um, to do some research on the firms. I mean, it's, it's different than when I was interviewing people. We didn't have the web. Right. Um. Every engineering firm has a website today, so certainly at a minimum, be familiar with their website. That should give you a lot of ideas about the types of work they do um, and whether that work would fit in your needs. If you can talk to anybody who works there to get a better sense of things, that's important. Or if you can talk to people who just know the firm, um, know what they do, that's important. You really need to come into an interview prepared. Uh, You need to know what they do, how you will fit. Think about the questions that they're likely to ask you. what are your likes, what are your dislikes? most um, of the things. Be prepared to answer those types of questions that you've either seen in past interviews or you anticipate you're gonna see. One thing that's really important to us, and we pick up on it all the time, is make good eye contact. When you're having a conversation with somebody in an interview, it really is, at least in our firm, it's intended to be a conversation. Sure. It's not a, not to be gr- you're not being grilled on. I expect to see you with good interaction back and forth with me. And one of the, I think one of the more important things that the stars that we see when we, when we get interviews already with this, we always ask them, what questions do you have of us? So think of a few questions that you would like to ask the firm that you're talking to. Um, it could be about, what is your decision-making process? Mm-hmm. What's the timing for making a decision? If I were here for the first year, what would my normal year look like? How would I be supervised? How would I get work? Um, what types of work would I be offered to do? Things like that, because they will look for you to be engaging in the conversation, at least our one, most typically firms do that now. So prepare yourself and, you know, have some of those things well rehearsed ahead of time. Preparation is the key.
0: Right. No, it definitely fits in with, with a lot of the industries we've talked with and uh, that being the, the real, the route to success in those interviews. How about anything like, I mean, are you being tested on any analysis or assessing situations at all in the interview? Does it get to that point or is that more um, just, I mean, that'll come as you move forward and actually have the position?
1: Yeah. Typically, you wouldn't see testing in okay. in terms of like math skills and those sorts of things. But certainly, especially if you've had some past um, work experience, we're going to ask you, you know, ex- explain a situation that you found difficult. How did you get out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, those sorts of things. So it's more it's more broad in this testing. Right. And you know, and if it's your first job and it's your first interviews and you're just out of school, it's a little difficult to talk about past experience. Hopefully, you've had some good internship experience, but at, a, at least Try to tie your coursework to what these people are doing and why you were excited in that coursework and make, make the connections as best you can. Don't be, don't be afraid to try to stretch a little bit and try to sort of make those connections between what they're doing and what they're seeking and what you
0: know. Right. Well, that's definitely, I would think, where uh, maybe the internship or any other programs you've been involved in that could really help in terms of applying that knowledge and showing them you've done something like that before.
1: Yes, that certainly helps.
0: You mentioned earlier the idea of, you know, sort of walking through a typical day of, of what a professional might, might be doing on a day-to-day basis. Uh, would you be able to fill us in a little bit on what you might do or just in general what an engineer might be uh, working sure. with in terms of, in terms of their, obviously, their job? Well, one of the
1: things, uh, and I, I will say it's probably one of the misnomers of engineering. I think that some people think that we come into an office and work 8 to 5, sit at the drafting table and wear a tie, <laughs> a pocket protector. My work day couldn't be any, any further from the truth. I'm probably in the office about 50 percent of the time. Okay. I'm out on job sites quite a bit um, that are under construction, reviewing the work and seeing how the work is being done. I'm dealing with clients. I'm going to prospective work sites to look at existing conditions where we're designing something. Um, so I'm in and out of the office quite a bit, and just you know sitting down with uh, my engineers and collaborating on solutions. You know, to, as an example, I mean I would say that oh, I, I joked about wearing ties. I mean I've. I've Rarely wear a tie to the office. Usually, it's only if I have got something formal to go to. Sure. I usually, at the beginning of the day, need to think about what I'm wearing that day because I need to. I need to look professional and act professional. But I got to think about: Am I going to be outside all day? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be on a job site all day? Do I wear a nice set of pants or do wear a lesser set of pants because they're going to get dirty? All those sorts of things go in because there's such a variety in your day and in your week that it's just, it's just, that's one of the things that I enjoy so much about engineering.
0: Are you working on a number of projects at one time? I mean, is that something that is a difficult chore or are you really focused on one and you sort of are delegating? And how does that work in terms of um, projects and, and different areas you're working on?
1: In a firm our size, everybody's working on several projects at once, okay. and that's something we enjoy, so there's a lot of variety that way, sure. and that's where I said before, you need to be able to multitask, and frankly, that's one of the things that I think you need to understand about yourself. Are you better focusing on one large project mm-hmm. or a lot of smaller ones? In larger engineering firms, you you can be assigned a project and be on that project. If that's the sort of mindset you like, then those are the sorts of things you need to consider when you're starting to look out for employers. That's also a great question to ask a prospective employer in an interview.
0: No, it's great, great way to tie that in. That definitely is a question that you would need to know before you head in to actually accepting a job. Speaking of your job, and and maybe you, know, you can play off of anybody's experience as well, individuals you talked with or work with. But what really is it that gets you going in terms of of what you do and what you love about your job? There's probably
1: a couple of things. I mean, I'm I'm a very curious person. I I really I really like. Um, identifying a problem, breaking it down, and solving it. So mm-hmm. I find a great deal of satisfaction in that. The other passion that I have that I really get rewarded on is I'm a—I'm a very strong environmentalist. And Vermont is a very pristine state. We value our environment quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And i the work that we do in our office is making a really good positive impact on the environment. We're trying to figure out how to meld the needs of, of um, the people that live here to the effects it has on the environment, whether it's water treatment, wastewater treatment, stormwater. water. Um, so I feel that in my day-to-day work, I'm really I'm making a difference in the environment and I can see it at the end of each day. So that's, it's very satisfying that way.
0: No, it definitely sounds like that, and that's a passion of yours and something that helps fuel your day-to-day activities. On the flip side, I mean, not everything's always rosy. Are there things that you don't like or maybe something you wish you could change about the profession or maybe even just something that's extremely challenging that our listeners would at least should know before they head into it?
1: That's a good question. I think that um, there certainly are some. Ch- there certainly are challenges. I mean, some of the problems we face are not easy to solve, mm-hmm. um, but that makes them that much more fun. Um <laughs> You know, obviously, some clients are, diff- are more difficult to work with than others. That can be a, a struggle sometimes. And in our case, we're working with a bunch of different clients, and they have different personalities. But beyond that, I mean, that's you know, it's those sorts of nuisances that you'll face in pretty much any job that are there in engineering as well. But beyond that, I I can't think of much.
0: How about any myths? I mean, you did bring up the idea that people think you're just in an office with a tie and and you know, kind of. Hammering away at different uh, projects that way, but uh, besides that, are there any other myths that sort of come about, or something that like you see on TV or in a movie that's just not accurate?
1: Well, yeah, I, I laugh when I read the Dilbert commercials because that's that's generally geared towards engineering. Right, and I get, right. a, get a kick out of those. I think that one of the myths is that an engineering curriculum is so very hard that most people can't do it. Mm-hmm. That is something that I just don't think is true. I think if you if you've got the aptitude, um, you find the passion. It's a, it's it's a hard degree. It's a lot of work, but as soon as I got into it and started taking the engineering courses, it just didn't seem like work to me. I just, I just, You just loved it, and it's such a valuable degree, and you can take it in so many ways. Yeah, and again, other than that, the myth of 9 to 5 and wearing a tie and right. a pocket protector or a calculator on your belt, that just isn't true.
0: It definitely seems like, for whatever reason, and not just civil engineering, in engineering as a whole, you mentioned there's almost this people getting scared off by the workload or the math and science. So hopefully this will help uh, ease some of those concerns that people have. When we look at your career in terms of, you know, you talk about the different projects you've worked on a little bit. Is there one that stands out? Is there one that you just really took a lot of pride in for one reason or another? I mean, maybe a couple that, that stand out in your mind, just to give people an idea of, of really, sure. you know, that you can take that pride in your work.
1: Yeah, I think that one that stands out, stands out for me is, um, a wastewater project we did down in Towneover, Vermont, which is down in the southwest corner of the state. Okay, and um, there's basically three separate village areas, developed areas, and they had no wastewater infrastructure at all. Um, high groundwater, relying on septic systems, and they had a substantial number of what we call points of pollution in Vermont, where wastewater effluent was getting to waters of the state untreated. Um, it was a serious, serious sanitary issue mm-hmm. and an environmental issue. Over about eight years, um, we turned it into about a twenty million dollar project. Built a wastewater treatment facility, collection system, pump stations, and we've remediated over seven hundred points of pollution in that town. And it's just—it's improved the life, the quality of life there for so many people. It's, just, it's one of those ones I'm rather proud of.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely, uh, definitely would stand out in my mind as well. It, it, you mentioned sort of like the eight-year uh, model, so to speak. I mean, is that typical, or are you all over the map in terms of how long a project might last?
1: Oh, they're all over the map. Okay. Um, some projects were relatively small, simple, and quick. Some projects, like the panel project, was eight years, primarily because you had to stage the construction in a way that you could phase it. Okay. Um, most larger projects will last probably three or four years. Uh, smaller projects can be done in, in the summer.
0: As, you know, people, again, are listening to the different aspects of this job and the educational piece, the, the natural qu- question that they'll come up with then is, well, what, what's the compensation like? What am I going to be making if I get into this industry? I, again, I understand it'll vary depending on where you are mm-hmm. and if you have your own firm versus, you know, if you're working, uh, you know, for a larger, smaller company. But can you sort of give a ball figure for those uh, high schoolers sure. and college students that are curious?
1: I mean, the reality, you're probably going to see, see um, a salary of around $50,000 a year to start. Okay. Okay. Um, but the one thing I would caution everybody too is to is to be patient and not get hung up on salary. Because when I go back to my own example, when I when I talked about the three different job offers that I had, mm-hmm. I took the job at Galley Construction, it was actually the lowest job offer of the three. Hmm. I could have gone to Electric Boat for twice as much money. Wow! But four four years after I started working at Pizzigalli, I had I had tripled my salary. Hmm. So, so things change, things advance. If you if you're good at what you do, you you advance quickly. Your raises will show up and in, in, a, in a lifetime and as a profession, it's got a great income. It's got a great upside.
0: Yeah, it definitely seems like you're, you're big on finding that right fit and what's going to work for you in the long run, not just that, that short-term sort of fix.
1: Agreed. I mean, but, I will, but as I say that, I would encourage people to take chances, to look at different opportunities mm-hmm. and say, you know, this, I want to try this. I, it's probably not my life choice. And you don't know what your life choice is going to be. And you're going to be surprised over time. I went into construction thinking that I would get out in four or five years and get into more traditional engineering. I got in construction and I loved it. I probably would have stayed. I probably still stayed if the economy hadn't bounced me around a little bit. And I said I needed to find something a little more reliable than construction. Sure. Um, So, tack on, tackle different things. Um, You're going to change your career. You're going to change your job six or eight times, regardless throughout your life. So, try different things and see if you like them.
0: You've obviously given us a lot of information, insight into what it might be like to get into a profession and be in uh, in civil engineering as a career. Are there any other tips or advice you'd want to give the job seekers out there who might be interested, sort of as a final takeaway from the show today?
1: Sure, perseverance is the key. I think you will find that there's a lot of there's a lot of jobs out there, but there's also a lot of people seeking them. You need to you need to get a job. Uh, it may not be a dream job at first, but but you get work. I always tell people that I'm more impressed with you if you're employed than if you're not employed, if you've been out of work for six months, that's mm. not a not a death knell by any stretch. But a, I want I want to know why. Right? Why aren't you Why aren't you doing something? And so take work and try it out, and know that you're going to move on, but learn in everything you do. The other thing I would say, especially for the younger people that are coming in, as we throw work at you and responsibility at you, don't be afraid to grab the challenges, but know what you don't know and speak up. I want to know if you're confused about something, if you really don't know something, because At some levels, I'm relying on your decision-making, and if you're not clear, I want to know that so I can teach you, I can nurture you, I can mentor you, and get you there.
0: Sounds like great advice to finish on today. Unfortunately, we are going to have to close out today's episode of I Want to Be A. We've been discussing the discipline of civil engineering with our expert guest, Brad Aldrich, who is the president of a firm, Aldrich & Elliott, over in Vermont. Brad, thanks again for bringing us some knowledge and insight into the field today. We definitely appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, we also want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So just email us at radio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Yuma. We'll talk to you later.